That just kind of makes you want to jump up and down, you know? Something like that. Be seated for just a second. Uh, how many of you noticed anything different out in the foyer? Yeah. If you didn't, open your eyes, people. You know, slow down and, and smell the coffee and, and see the playground. Uh, next Sunday in the second service, two things are going to happen next Sunday in second service. Really cool. One of them, my friend Randy Ray is going to be back. And those of you who heard Randy last year, you know, whoop, whoop. And uh, those of you who are going to hear him this year, whoop, whoop. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's all that. But we're also going to dedicate that playground. And we're going to dedicate that playground to my best friend, Margaret Mead. Uh, and we're going to, yeah. There'll be, a, there'll be a, a, a plaque unveiling thing, and I think, you know, some kids are going to release a bunch of balloons and stuff. It's going to be great. So, uh, you know, you want to be sure and, and be here. Be here for that. Uh, now you can stand up. Quit resting, people. <laughs> let's, uh, let's read some scripture together. To whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that is in your word. And I thank you for the ability of the word to change us when we allow the Holy Spirit to move into our lives. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would rest upon every person here and that you do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage that we read in Hebrews is, uh, is about a people. Okay, It's about a people who have been delivered from bondage, who have been set free, uh, a people who had seen the mighty hand of God up close and personal in their lives, people who had received the word of the Lord. Who might this have been? Well, that's them there. Those are the Israelites wandering in the wilderness after they had been brought out of Egyptian bondage, and they kind of look like us. Because maybe some of us here have been delivered from bondage. Maybe some of us here have been set free. I mean, I think we just sang something kind of like that. Uh, maybe some here have seen the mighty hand of God up close and, and personal in your life. And uh, hopefully everyone here has received the word of the Lord. Yet... Yet they refused to enter God's rest. It wasn't that God's rest wasn't available. It wasn't that they didn't know where to find it. It, did, it wasn't that it, that it wasn't revealed to them. They refused to enter God's rest. 
see. And sometimes people get saved and they get delivered and they get set free and they have they see God work up close and personal and they and they they hear the word of the Lord. I was going to say receive, they hear the word of the Lord, but they refuse then to enter the rest that God has for them after that. God was angry with them and uh, they fell far short of the of the better life that God had prepared for them. Far, far short of that. What They were offered a land flowing with milk and honey. They, they were offered a, a, a place where they, they didn't have to travel around anymore. They were offered a, a place of abundance, and they refused to have that and ended up wandering around in the wilderness aimlessly for 40 years until they died. And so sometimes, you know, we come to the Lord and we get this, this deliverance and this freedom and this relationship and all this stuff, but we end up wandering around aimlessly for the rest of our lives until we die because we refuse to enter into His rest. So how important is it to enter into God's rest? <laughs> so it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big deal. We live in a culture of exhaustion. Uh, many have been tired their, in, their entire adult lives. And maybe before that. I mean, anybody? Can anybody say amen? You know, that's me, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't get enough sleep. We don't slow down. We just... Go, 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 go. Uh, and there are, there are a number of reasons behind this, but a couple of them. One of them is we have bought into the lie that more is better. That, that's, that's a lie, and we've, we've bought into that. Uh, there's keeping up with the Joneses, and there's trying to make ends meet. The problem is that the Joneses are also trying to keep up with the Joneses, and the ends that you're trying to make meet keep moving. I had a great childhood. I had a great childhood. I had a great adolescence. I had a great, you know, I've had a great life, quite frankly. But uh, well, my childhood, in my childhood, people worked 40 hours a week. And most families had one income. How did that happen? How did, how did, how did people manage? Well, uh, there were a few things a little different about it. Uh, they had one car. You know, how can people manage a one car? Well, you only go one place at a time. That's, that's, how, that, that's how that works. Uh, telephones. Telephone, a mobile telephone meant you had a real long cord. And usually it was kind of coiled up on, on the things, and those coil cords, you know, after they got stretched far enough, they'd start twisting in just funky ways and things like that. You could replace those cords or you could get a new phone, which is what we do today. Few had air conditioning. How do people live without air conditioning? For millenniums, they did. Uh, 
but they weren't living in Middle Tennessee, obviously. Uh, but but when, uh, when people first started getting air conditioners, they they get these uh, they get these window units, and uh, and they would shut off the part of the house that was air conditioned from the, the other part of the house. And you walk in their house, and it'd be you know it'd be kind of nice. And then you'd open up the thing to the air conditioner. Whoa, brother! If you got an air conditioner, flaunt it. You know, if you if that thing can get it to fifty, get to fifty. Because that's, that's, that's what you need. Uh, and so, you know, we didn't have um, we had black and white televisions. You know, I mean, that was the kind of thing. And, and if, you had a, if you had a television, you had a black and white television, you had a thing up on the roof that kind of showed that you had a TV because that was an antenna that you needed to actually get the three stations that were available. <laughs> and if you couldn't afford a thing up on the roof to get the three stations, you had rabbit ears on top of the time, and you'd, you'd turn, those ra- turn those rabbit ears a little bit you know, until the picture come in good. And sometimes, I, I don't know, I'm just going here for a minute. Sometimes the rabbit ears would only work if somebody was holding on to them. <laughs> uh, you just, just stand there. That's okay. We'll, we'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> Yet, we laughed, we loved we, we enjoyed each other's company. We enjoyed our meals together. We had rest. And several things changed that. One of the, one of the main things that changed it were those, were those rabbit ears and that, uh, and, and, and that TV because commercials came along and they changed it. And I was looking up some old commercials and I had, I had never seen the one of the shaving baby. <laughs> but isn't that brilliant? That baby is so happy. Because he has a safety razor. <laughs> now, if you're, if, you're, if you're not accustomed to things, you might look at the, the two over on your left are ones you'll remember. Because if you're going to smoke, you want to smoke the brand your doctor's smoking. <laughs> That's for sure. Because those would be, be the best for you. And then have times changed any? Don't worry, darling. You didn't burn the beer. That's what that says. She was so worried it was burnt, but the beer's fine. The other two, you know, might to 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 um, the uninitiated might look like oh, well, those are kind of boring commercials, but they're powerful. Anybody over the age of 60 who was brought up in this country, I guarantee you can complete the sentence, please don't squeeze the... Yeah. It was a stupid commercial, but... And then, and then, and then this, this one down here. I, uh, I had lunch with my in-laws this week. and My, my father-in-law's 90, and he had been told that he had uh, low iron. And we were at lunch, and I went, you know, do they still make Geritol? I mean, maybe... And he said, I don't know. I said, well, you know it has twice the iron as a whole pound of calf's liver. <laughs> I hadn't heard that in 50 years. But it was there. It was stuck there. Those things are, those things are, those things are powerful. I had to have the decoder ring. Then I had to have the color TV. And then I had to the, have the designer jeans. And, 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 and. More is better. 
But it's not just the commercials and stuff. We have also bought into the lie, and this one may even be, this one may even be uh, more uh, damaging. We bought into the satanic lie that doing is more valuable than resting. Always. More, I mean, you got to be doing something, man. If you're, if, you're, if you're doing, then you're worth something. If you're resting, come on. It's sometimes called a Protestant work ethic, but uh, it started long before the Reformation. Started long before the church, even. Started in the garden. God had, had given mankind some meaningful work to do. Take care of this place. Take, take, care of the, take care of what I have given to you. Well, we've done a great job with that, haven't we? Take care of this place. But that wasn't good enough. I mean, you know, oftentimes what God wants us to do and what we think is important are two different things. I don't know if anybody else besides me has ever noticed that. But sometimes God will give us work, and if we just do that, it'd be meaningful and worthwhile and fulfilling. But no, I want to do this instead. I mean, what's in it for me to take care of the garden? Yeah. And the enemy comes along and offers uh, what appears to be a chance to get ahead. Get there, get there a little sooner. Get, you know, get, get something that you think you need, something that you think you need. When the woman saw that the, the tree was, was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, the only three notes in the devil's scale. She took some. She ate it. She gave it to the, her husband who was with her, and he ate it. If you'll just reach out and take this, you can be like God. All you need to, to do is just do it. it. Sticks with us, doesn't it? The offer was a red herring because they were already like God. They'd been created in God's image. The results were disastrous, but we, we have kept on doing the same old thing ever since with the same disastrous results. Let me get this. Let me get that. Let me, I, can, I, can, I can get this. Eugene Peterson, the guy who uh, uh, wrote the Message Bible, um, expresses perfectly the unhealthy uh, cultural approach that we generally have about work. And uh, he, he's writing in, uh, um, in his biography, The Pastor, he was writing about his early years in the ministry, and he, he says this, I anesthetized the anxiety with work, long hours of it. I worked out of fear of failing. I worked when there was no work to do. Worked even harder when there was no work to do. Spinning my wheels, grinding my gears. I ain't got to do something to be valuable, to be of, to be of worth. Now, I understand that, that our system has put many in a position where they, where they have to work those long hours. I, I, I understand how that is. I'm not trying to lay any, any guilt on anybody, but God did not create you to be a cog in the system. He didn't, he didn't create you to 
to be stressed out with work all the time. It's not, that's not what he created you for. He didn't create you to keep the machine going. He created you to be a glorious celestial being. And that's, that's not just, I mean, Paul says this in Philippians. He says, you, you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. In other words, in a generation that has crooked and, and warped ideas about what's valuable and what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done, you'll stand out. Glowing beacon. You have permission to be blameless and pure. You may. Say, well, okay, all right, but I'm, I'm in this situation where I've really, I've still got to do all this. I've still got these three jobs that I got to keep, keep all these balls in the air. Well, let me, let me give you one more clue before we move off of this. How about changing the perspective and how about working to set yourself free of bondage instead of working to get deeper into bondage? Because most of the work we do, we do because I want something. I want one of those. I want a better one of that. I, I, I'd like a few of those. How about freedom? Sweet freedom. Yeah. You say, well, I, I just can't, you know, I, I can't see any way out of this. Well, that's what faith is all about. That's what you call trust. Well, I don't know if I can trust God to do this because I can't see any way it can be done. Well, if you could see a way it could be done, honey, you wouldn't have to trust. Wouldn't have to learn God math. Yeah. Okay, this rest thing isn't just a physical thing. In fact, it's not primarily a physical thing. I mean, how many of you know that, uh, I mean, sleep is a great thing to have, but, but how many of you know that if you're stressed out, you can't? You know, if your mind's, you can't. Isaiah says over in Isaiah 40, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Where does strength and power come from? He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youth shall fail and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This is, this is what happens when you wait on the Lord. You renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean you're never going to run. Just means you're going to run when he tells you to run. Doesn't mean that you're that you're going to you're never going to walk. Well, you're going to keep on walking, but you you'll not faint. You wait upon the Lord. Why don't we wait on the Lord? What's the big deal, and, and why don't we do it? Let's go, let's go back to Hebrews here. That passage that we that we uh, that we read. The situation is the Israelites had come out of Egypt and Moses had led them to the mountain of the Lord, to Horeb, also known as Sinai. And when they got there, 
the Lord, the Lord said this to them. He said, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And I'm sure that there were people there who were going, well, I thought we walked here. Yeah. He carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to himself. That's really what happened. They were consecrated. They heard God's voice. They saw the cloud come down on the mountain. They saw fire come down on, on top of the mountain, the thunder. They saw Moses go up the mountain, and they had one job. One job. Wait. That's all they had to do. That's, 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 that's what they, they had seen, all this stuff. You know, there are times when we... Uh, <clears throat> You can read about the children of Israel in, in, uh, in, in the Old Testament and kind of go, how, how did so many stupid people exist in one place? You know, to, to see this and, and to see that and then to do this. I mean, duh. But I learned a long time ago, they are us. We, we do the same things they did. We make the same mistakes they made. It's interesting that the last passage before they got to Horeb, uh, in, in the Scripture, the last passage that we read is where uh, Jethro comes along and tells Moses, hey, you, you need, you're working too hard. You're working too hard. You need to share some of this stuff. If you don't, if you don't share some of this load, you're going to wear yourself out. Uh, and so that was, that, was the, that was the intro into taking them to the mountain of the Lord when, uh, when Grant's army was besieging Vicksburg, uh, the, the siege lasted for months before they were able to take Vicksburg, and in part because of the, of the weather conditions. And, uh, but during that time, Grant, Grant had them um, digging tunnels and had them uh, try some, some ways to take the fort that he knew weren't going to work. He, he knew this is, this is just going to be spinning their wheels, and this is going to be, uh, people are going to get killed and everything, and it's not going to work. But he had to do it because he knew if they didn't have anything to do, they'd leave. Because we we're not very good at waiting. You know, we could wait till this weather clears and then, but no, we're not able to do that. It seemed that nothing was going on while Moses was gone. I mean, he just went up that mountain, and he's just there. And we're just here. It didn't seem like anything was, was going on, but in fact, much was happening. The law was being given. Yeah. Uh, and not just the Ten Commandments. I mean, there were a, a, a whole uh, code of laws that were, that were given for how, how to live your life. The plans for the tabernacle were being laid out. I mean, it was, it was up during that time up on the mountain, and Moses, you know, received the instructions. This is how you're to build it, and this is, what, this is how you're supposed to furnish it, and this is what you're going to need to do it with. Uh, it takes a little time to be creative, people. Uh, and then also uh, the priesthood was being established. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. At times, it looks like nothing is happening. Looks like nothing is happening. You know, well, we're just not getting anywhere. You know, we're not, we're not growing. We're not, it was exciting last time. It wasn't exciting this time. Nothing, nothing's going on. Nothing's happening. But that, 
oftentimes it's when the most important stuff is happening. When the, when the real changes are taking place. When God is really revealing himself in a person's life. The last, it's, it's kind of ironic, you know, going into this, to this section, Jethro's telling Moses, you're working too hard. The end of this section, right before Moses comes down from the mountain, the last instruction he's given is about Sabbath rest and how, how they were, what they were supposed to do about that. So Moses didn't come down from Horeb soon enough. So, you know, we got to do something. Where is, that, where is that tree? I need another apple. And so they built a golden calf to worship. The, Here, O Israel, are the gods that led you out of, out of Egypt. And the results were disastrous because they couldn't wait. I said, just couldn't wait. I was 32 when I went into uh, ministry full time. And I really, actually, you know, I grew up, growing up in a preacher's home and especially in a small uh, country church, if, you, if you're the preacher's son and you have any kind of communication skills whatsoever, everybody assumes yeah, that's what you're supposed to do is be a preacher. And if everybody assumes it, then I assume that must be wrong. Uh, you know, if that's what you want me to do, well, you'll find me over there. Uh, and, and for much of my life, that was, that was my attitude. But in my mid-20s, when I came back to the Lord, um, I, by the time I was 26, I knew. I went, okay, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I, uh, I actually applied to, uh, some of you know this, I actually applied to a seminary. And uh, when, I was, when I was in college, let's just say I wasn't walking with the Lord, and I wasn't really walking with all my classes either. <laughs> and uh, so seminary decided that I probably was not a, um, um, a, a sterling candidate to... Uh, represent their institution, and you know, and I, they didn't want me. Uh, but I really felt like the Lord said, "That's not okay. All right, I'll let you do that. Okay, you you don't want to do that again, do you?" Said, no, no, no. I'm okay. So okay, just wait. Just wait. You know, just wait and do what there is to do. You know, so I worked in the nursery, taught junior high Sunday school. There is a special place in heaven. For people who teach junior high Sunday school. I uh, led worship. I sung in a choir. I changed the sign out front of the church. I, I was an elder. I, I just, whatever there was to do. And then six years later, they said, uh, would you like to be the, the youth pastor at the church? I said, yes. Would you like to pray about it? I've been praying about it for six years. You know, I'm known. I've just been waiting. And quite frankly, in my, I was ready to wait. I, 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 there were, I was working for Social Security at the time. I'd worked there for five years. And in my spirit, I was going, God, if you want me to do this until I'm drawing my retirement and then go into full-time ministry somewhere when somebody doesn't have to pay me anything, I'm good. That's what I'll do. Now, he had other things in mind, but I was ready to wait. Um, I've known others who didn't wait and washed out. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to seminary. It doesn't mean you shouldn't train or anything. That's, 
what, what the path that God gives you is the path that you should take. That's what you should do. The results of not waiting didn't stop at, at Sinai and the golden calf. Later on, they came to the, to the promised land and they were not able to enter in. The reason they weren't able to enter in is because they were of the mindset that look at those armies there right now. And it didn't occur to them, maybe God could defeat those armies. What occurred to them is we can't. So we can't go in there. And that's, what, that's the mindset that, that develops inside of us whenever we're not willing to wait on the Lord and begin to see what He can do. What He can do in all of the areas of our lives. The real rest that God has called us to isn't about a day. It isn't about getting enough sleep. I mean, those things are important. Paul says, you know, bodily exercise profits little. But spiritual growth, spiritual exercise, that, that has value now and into eternity. The real rest that God has called us to is to trust in Him. Just, just trust in Him. The disobedient did not enter. They were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The disobedient weren't able to enter because of their, because of their unbelief. Disobedience is, is often the results of unbelief. I won't go there, even though I know He's told me to go there, because I don't believe He can actually take care of me. I won't do this, even though I know He wants me to do this, because I don't believe He's going to catch me when I, when I need it. So what about us? Because what we read said that the promise of entering His rest still stands. It's still there for, for us. Be sure that none of us are found to have fallen short of it. And how do we fall short of it? Well, we fall short of by not trusting in God. Just, just trust in God. It's, it's really simple. It's, I didn't say it was easy. It's simple. It's very simple. And the more you do it, the easier it gets because you see how faithful and trustworthy He is. Jesus, I, I kind of got a little head there. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Anybody, anybody here, does that describe anybody? I will give you rest. It's not I'll give you more money. I'll give you a better job. I'll give you, I'll give you rest which is more valuable than, than those other things. There's so many reasons, so many rationales, so, so many voices urging you can't really trust God, and they're wrong. They're wrong. The psalmist says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We live in a culture that trusts in chariots and horses probably more than any culture it ever has. Whoever's got the biggest gun and the biggest bomb and the most sophisticated technology, they're the, that's where the safety is. No. The safety is in the Lord our God. That, that's where the safety is. They're brought to their knees and fall, but we are risen. Stand upright. Psalmist also says it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. Let me tell you something. You are a human. 
When it says it's better to trust in God than to trust in humans, it includes you. It's better for me to trust in God than to trust in Ronnie. It's better for Landon to trust in God than to trust in Landon. Yeah. It, 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 it's better for Barbie to trust in God than to trust in Barbie. Yeah. And then Psalm one four. There's there. This is all through the Bible. I'm just blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll find that rest. We who have believed enter. You need, you need to be intentional about physical rest. I'm not going to spend really any time on that, but you need to be intentional about physical rest. I mean, use, use some sense. You know, has anybody here ever vegetated in front of a television <laughs> at, at night? Yeah. You know how to fix that? I was going to say, turn it off, but you don't do that anymore. You know, turn it off. <laughs> you know, and it's fixed. It's fixed. You can actually, you know, you can actually use that time to sleep rather than be brainwashed into buying something else. <laughs> you know, so you need, to, you need to be intentional about, about physical rest, but even more, you need to be intentional about entering into God's rest, which He can only give to you if you'll believe, if you will genuinely trust in Him. Yeah. I mean, I've had things come along in my life where I've, where I've maybe gotten a little upset, maybe, you know, uh, gotten a little tense. You know, I, I throw things, but, you know, I, I go outside to do that. And... <laughs> You know, go go someplace safe, you know, throw a pillow and, you know, something like that. Don't don't lose it because I know eventually where I'm going to get to. Let off a little steam, but God, you got it. You got it. I trust you. What is stealing your rest? You know, that may not be as memorable a question as who is your monkey? <laughs> Which is an important question. But treat it the same way. What is stealing your rest? What is it? The, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Stop. Get that thing out of your life. Get, get rid of it. Put your trust in Him. Come to Him. You'll find rest for your soul. And if your soul is at rest, everything else is going to get taken care of. 